Welcome to My First Dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast where we help game masters learn new games and make each one better than the last. My name is Brian Flaherty, and I'm joined once again by our facilitator for this season of Good Society, Carolyn Page. How's it going? Ooh, so happy to be here. I cannot wait to review all the shenanigans that we had together. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait either. But before we do that, <laughs> I must introduce you to the rest of the cast of Good Society. We have with us Emma Fife. Hello, it's me. I'm here today hello, hello. And, and ready to, to dig into what went down in our, our very active little hamlet. We have Katie Maravich. Hi, I am also here. This is what my voice sounds like. <laughs> we have Persephone Valentine. I'm also here, and this is what my way sound like. No, it's not. You're no. lying. Liar. All right, fine. I'll talk my normal voice. Fine. Get <laughs> all the fun out of it. I am here. And the last member of our cast, Nathan Yaffe, unfortunately could not join us tonight, but Ignatius will be forever in our hearts. And in honor of him, I must just say, Father! favorite part. The reconciliation was truly fantastic. <laughs> so I was listening to it back. I'm like, I wish that I, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I should have gone deeper with it. Like, I, I feel like I half-assed it. Like, I should have gone, son! Like, oh, really? no. I think it was perfect. I truly, I truly thought that was the perfect character. Honestly, that was very fun. Also, that was my first time meeting Nathan. Very fun to play with. Yeah. Oh, Nathan's, Nathan's joy. The first time we ever played a home game, he did like that same kind of Matt Berry oh voice my the God. whole time. Oh, it's so funny. So, it's great. And we hadn't played it together in a while um, or like it, just like a home game type thing. So it was great to like have that throwback being like, oh man, flashbacks to 2019. <laughs> and last but not least, we are joined once again by the creator of Good Society, uh, Haley Gordon. Haley, welcome. Yay! G'day! Yay! Yay! Without you, we wouldn't have any... Thing to record. Yeah, this wouldn't have existed without <laughs> Haley, to be totally honest. So, mm-hmm. honestly, most important person here. Yeah, really. absolutely. <laughs> and doing us the biggest kindness from by joining us from Sydney, Australia. So we're across three time zones and, quite frankly, the entire globe right now. Yeah. New York, LA, and Sydney, Australia. Ooh. So let's get cracking. Uh, first off, I think it's a pr- this is a pretty obvious question to start with, and I think we've already kind of answered it. What did you guys think of playing Good Society? Oh my goodness. Incredible. Yeah, this was my second time uh, playing this game. I had facilitated it uh, before, and uh, it is such a delight. I think that one of the things that that really is fascinating to me about Good Society is that the first time I ever experienced it, and again, I was facilitating, I had a friend who was playing that game who had literally never played a tabletop RPG at all. And so because she hadn't, she had no preconceived notions of what was supposed to be happening. So when I tell her, oh, you're going to be your main character, and then you're also going to play some side characters, she's like, great, got it. Whereas some (laughs) of the people who were used to playing a more traditional, you have a game master who makes a lot of the decisions about the direction that the story's going, plays all the NPCs, etc., it was really interesting to see them get a little more tripped up on the whole, they also get to play secondary characters and they dictate what those characters' wants and needs are. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, doing the secondary characters was wonderful for my ADHD. 
Um, <laughs> one of the reasons why I like I, I play and I DM, I play more now, but one of the reasons DMing is actually easier for me than playing is because I can switch between characters and it helps keep my brain focused. And that was such a fun aspect to it and really unique, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we got to really like, we had so much freedom, which was really nice. And yeah, it was it was nice having like obviously we had Carolyn, but like also we got I feel like we got to kind of like push some <laughs> plots um, <laughs> that that were super fun. It's one of those games where like I feel like it's easy for people to pick up um, as a new like sort of system, but for like experienced improv improvisers or uh, role players, like this is a blast because yeah. you're not so limited like you're you're it's limited in the ways that you always want a good improv scene to be limited like we have the setting we have the character we know what we're going to do with that but then you can just go hog wild and really (laughs) really develop things and then you also have like worldly influence by playing multiple characters and that's that's actually very unique and a really cool approach i really like Mm -hmm. i I really love as far as like the mechanics go the the epistolary phase, like the letter writing phase, Mm -hmm. and then also the rumors and scandal, because it really makes it so that it's kind of like a soft reset on the world for like one scene to the next. And it's like, okay, we finish a scene, we finish a session kind of, you know, novel chapter. And then, okay, let's all talk about what this next scene is going to be. So that when we actually get into it, we have so many things like propping us up and so many like so much of an idea of the world that playing it, it feels incredibly smooth and Mm -hmm. natural because you have so much information and so many like threads you can pull connect you to other characters uh i really really love the epistolary <laughs> me too i love spreading rumors just in general <laughs> i i'm an awful person but no um like it's it's such a good world building thing and like i um so obviously dimension 20 pulled like a lot of the stuff from good society in their dnd game um Port of fame flowers mm-hmm. and honestly that was my favorite part of watching it and it's my favorite part <laughs> mm-hmm. of this game. Like, just like, I would love to play a longer campaign with this sort of system, just like mm-hmm. having yes. all the drama elements. And also like the setting is so Regency, like Regency is the basis, but you could put Regency anywhere, like in any mm-hmm. sort of fantasy sort of sci-fi setting, like that kind of thing. So it'd be really cool to reskin it too. Like <gasps> there's just a lot of things you can do here. Gossip Girl reskin. Yes. Oh my god. Right? Or even like like Clueless right? reskin. Oh like, my 100%. god. Well, like, yes. clueless. I mean, is Emma. Truly perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Clueless is Emma. And and yeah. I mean, you know, that that is once again the thing that's so strong about this and also so reminiscent of Austin's novels wherein Nothing really happens. Um, it's, it's very much driven entirely by character interaction. And so when you really keep the focus on that, you're just digging from, okay, what does this character want? And again, talking about also being the secondary characters, you also get to fight for what they want. And ultimately, that's why the, you know, Austin's novels translate so well to whatever other setting. And I think the same can absolutely be said for Good Society. Mm. How did it feel running it? Oh, it was great. It was super, it felt like it was just kind of, it did, it felt like more we were building it together. You know, it's such a collaborative Mm -hmm. system and, and 
when I was re-listening to the episode, it was so great just to hear how eager y'all were, the cast was, to like just jump in because everyone was so invested in the story. And I think that is much easier and more natural to happen in this system because of the way it's designed. Because you have, with the epistolary phase, with the reputation phase, and the rumor and scandal phase, all the players have this greater sense of the world and how they fit in and how Mm -hmm. others perceive them, which, like, how much of that is in our own lives? Like, us thinking about how we're seen by other people. (laughs) I mean, I'm a fucking actor in L.A., so I probably think about it a lot, maybe too much, but... But, like, how we're perceived by other people is so much of what makes up our day-to-day. And having all the players be aware of how their characters are perceived is such a gift and gives such a richness to the world. Like, we're in more traditional systems. It's easy to maybe, that feels a little flat, feels like a, a less realistic world. I think the choice of the term facilitator is also, like, really apt. Because it is, like, listening back um, as I was editing and stuff... It is clear that, like, it, it is definitely less of a, like, game master role of, like, this is my world. I'll tell you what happens. It's more of just you kind of standing there and being like, okay, here's what you want to do. Remember, this is, it's just kind of like a remembrance, a remind. It's like pushing you towards the area that we've already said we want to play in. Just, fac- I mean, facilitating the fun rather than, like, lording over it in, in the way that, like, a traditional game master player relationship mm. often is. It allows for more play for from the facilitator, I think. Like, it's like, yeah, you're occupying the space of the world, but like there's still that element of like you're a player in this too, you know? I loved getting to be Grantham Gilliam. <laughs> that was yeah. so funny. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn, I thought you did a, like, a, I enjoyed the whole thing, but I thought you did a fantastic job as facilitator. Um, oh, thank you. And yeah. I could actually hear like little moments where you were stepping in to help everyone, uh, like, guide the story or keep, you know, keep the spotlight moving or keep the story going, like, in the, in the moment where um, Ignatius, you know, reconciled with his father in that first novel chapter, then you stepping in uh, as a mother character to be like, not so easy, Ignatius. <laughs> yes. I saw that. And I was like, oh my God. Very good little way of like keeping that character's story alive and that desire going, mm. um, you know, just, and um, also the way you move the spotlight. So I was like a big fan. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think specifically thinking back to that move oh, and, and, propelling the story forward like that. So much of that inspiration came from our first conversation before Mm -hmm. IGM. And just so everyone, if you're ever running a game, if you can have like an in-depth interview with that game creator (laughs) before you jam, I highly recommend it. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) Easy. Yeah. It does. I've played a few games with the creators of games. Like I I did one of the first promotional games for Thirsty Sword Lesbians and the creator Mm. was in that game. It does. It does lend something interesting to it. And so also (laughs) like... So exciting to see people like just excited to have you play their game and like what yeah. <laughs> you do with it. Just uh, on that very particular note, uh, quick shout out to our co-producer Elliot Davis, who just released Project Echo, a game of his design this past uh, week, Yay! and we've been geeking a ton over the past week. Are you playing it on this channel? We will be playing it next season. Oh, right. Fantastic right. question! Isn't it a solo player game? <laughs> it's a solo game, so we're kind of doing it as a like uh, audio drama. Oh, oh my cool. gosh, that's I, so I like cool. That. <laughs> but we've been we've been sending back and forth like anytime we see any kind of milestone we're like oh my god you see this oh my god you see this and it's 
great to see people being excited about playing a game and just me watching him uh, be so excited about people playing his game is incredibly fun. You know, I think the setup for this podcast is very interesting and I don't think a lot of places have done it where they get the creator to sort of like talk about the game with the person that's going to run it. Then you run a system for the first time. That's really brilliant, especially like I, I think like especially for this cast, like everyone here is a seasoned actor, performer, improviser, comedian. Well, most of them are actors, comedians, improvisers. <laughs> like I, I have the least improv comedic training, but like it's it's so cool to see like have someone talk about the game and like be sort of like a guide for the person running it and then go into the game and have like this awesome team of people that are all in and then like mm. getting this like pure form of the game because everyone's so committed to it. It's really, yeah. it's smart. It's very smart. What we really like about doing this show format is that like kind of our whole ethos is about setting people up for success and like try these new games. There's so many cool games out there that give you better experiences, more specific experiences than mm-hmm. what D&D necessarily can. Like, sure, you could do a Regency era thing in D&D, but it's not necessarily built directly for that. It's like the Swiss army knife of RPGs. uh, Yeah, I I mean, with with Dungeons & Dragons specifically, I don't love it for a very relationship-based game because none of the skills in the game are specifically targeted around that. And again, one of the things that Mm -hmm. works so well about Good Society is the way that it sets the player and facilitator up for success in terms of, again, establishing from the beginning, literally, you're, you are motivated by this thing. And here <laughs> are some relationships that you have. And, like, this defines who you are. And ultimately, your relationships with others is what defines play and the story and everything. And so, to me, again, like like you were saying, it's like, obviously, yes, you, you can kind of make D&D work for whatever, but what a gift to have something that is really setting you up to keep it entirely character-driven. It really is cool. And, like, I love D&D, and I love reskinning D&D, but, like, the reality is, is that, like, the reason people do that is because it's the most popular and most noticeable one. And they know it already. And they know it already. And, like, there's that name. But it's there's there are so many systems out there that are so worthwhile and so worth trying and so fun. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, role-playing systems, like, that are more focused on role-playing character development and driven stuff are really fun to get into. Especially, I feel like almost especially for people that want to like do stuff online with like even D and D and stuff, it's almost more important for them to probably start with games that are more role play heavy because realistically the reason most people watch these sort of things aren't necessarily for the mechanics or anything. I mean, some do, but like it's mostly mm-hmm. for the characters, the relationships, the the struggle, those sorts of things that they're dealing with, which D doesn't necessarily lend itself well to as a system. Mm. Mm. I, I have a question for Haley. Um, if you were to do a reskin of of this of of a good society game, like what's a setting that you'd want to see it reskinned into? So, um, like along with Good Society, we also have a little book called Expanded Acquaintance, where we have done some like 
uh, expansions and extensions of good society. Um, and so I guess that was our first instincts. We've got a magic one. We've got like a Zoro-esque one where you are Regency, uh, ladies and gentlemen, by day and mass vigilantes by night. You know, very sensible. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. I didn't yes. know that existed. <laughs> yeah. um, but in, in that book, um, the sort of most total reskin we have is a fake court setting funnily enough and this was like prior to court of faded flowers so that was like that was where my first instincts went to like i think the thing about reskinning good society and like people people do do it quite frequently um we're very lucky enough to have like a quite a vibrant discord where people are like mm. i've reskinned it for this this week come and play mecha society or whatever it is <laughs> um uh, is that oh my god the, mecha the fundamental society. of the system <laughs> is the battle between duty and desire. It's the battle between how people perceive Mm. you and what they think you should do and what you think you should do and the thing you really, really want to do, right? And so I think as long as you're in any context or setting where you have, like, that pressure, um, then I feel like, like, you can take a good society there. And so for me, like, this world of, like, the fake courts where you can add all this, like, complete weirdness and magic um, and crazy, like, fantasy stuff, but still keep that core of, oh, you're at a court what you do, how other people perceive you, you know, that's going to, that's going to affect your whole life. And, you know, if you're taking the extreme of faith society, it could like literally affect your physical being or like your, you know, magical landscape of the world. So yes, that's, that's where we went when we were in it completely for a new setting for the first time. I don't want to see what would happen if you put it into a cyberpunk setting. Ooh, that's fun. Regency cyberpunk. I think I want to do a high school setting. It was high so school fun. setting would be really like cool rich too. high school. Oh, rich high yeah. school totally works. Mm-hmm. The mecha Definitely society works. thing immediately made me think. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, given all the politics and stuff in Gundam, like this would be a, this would be a great. <laughs> I was gonna say this really, is Gundam, very rich for Mercury, right? Yeah. <laughs> Evangelion. Evangelion would be per- would be interesting. Yes. But I was thinking oh, like yeah. sort of like. And a society that gets so advanced that they come back to that sort of like duty versus mm, like joy. Like Dune, thing. basically. Yeah, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. But like high school, yeah. I would run that in a heartbeat. I've run high school. <laughs> I'm known for running a high school game for crying out loud. Like <laughs> I, I would run that in a heartbeat. So especially the rumor phase, like a mean girls type of deal. Right? Oh my like, god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this. Heathers. Heathers if you go really dark. Heathers. I wanna do Heathers. Maybe. Hey, can I run this on your on your? It's not the first time it'll be on your podcast, but I'll run this if you want, Brian. We can make it happen. Or that, I'll do I want to do that Zorro one too. That's that fun. sounds really fun too. Yeah, yeah. Scarlet Pepper. Uh, it reminds me of um. There's actually like a telenovela system. I forget the name of it that just mm. came out. Oh, Passion de la Fasione. Yes, <laughs> and it looks so cool. I want to play that like, so bad. As someone who so watched fun. telenovelas without subtitles and had no, like, it just got things from context clues whenever I was sick from home from school, I'm just like, <laughs> it'd be so much fun. But should we talk about stuff that like happened in the game, like in general, like specifics? But before we talk about like specifics of the game, I want to take us all the way back to the beginning because uh, there's one part of this game that we didn't play on mic, and that was the collaboration phase, which is kind of the session zero. And this question uh, comes to us from our Discord um, from user Hermitized, and they'd love to know what sort of conversations we had before the game, specifically regarding tone, historical accuracy, gender roles. And these are all things that are kind of explicitly laid out in the collaboration phase of Good Society. When we started, uh, we kind of all agreed because this was Session Zero, it was going to be romantic comedy. And Haley, this was uh, based on your recommendation uh, since we were going to do a shorter game. 
we were going to do like loose historical accuracy. Our gender roles are going to be like kind of standard, but also it definitely turned out not to be kind of standard (laughs) um, for the Regency. But what I love about collaboration in this kind of session zero is that by the end of it, we had such strong threads between the people starting this game was there was like no hump to get over. There was no activation energy. It just like started (laughs) on the ground running. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of um, the way that you set up this game reminds me of um, an improv game that I learned um, for I actually learned this through LARP, but it's like it's called the string game where Mm. you pass around a ball of yarn. So there's like say there's five people. One person gets the ball of yarn and they pass it to another one. And then they say a connection that they have with that character and then they get one back and then it goes on, so on and so forth. It's very much like that. And that game is one of my favorite things to do to establish characters and having it built in as a mechanic, like sort of like in a different way for this, really strong, leads to really strong role play. Because we did the romantic comedy and basically used all of the suggested like character relationships mm-hmm. and motivations and backgrounds. And mm-hmm. so it was, it worked out really well because we had like a nice kind of basis to start with. And then it just became assigning out the different ones. And it was like, I think, you know, people kind of started off by picking their like background or something like that. And then as we started to choose the relationships, it all just kind of naturally fell into place from there. And so it was one of those things because, like, I, re- I remember that, like, one of the things was, oh, you know, your relationship is one of the other major characters is your sibling. And so Nathan and I figured out that's that that's that what we were going to do. But I still was able to take on the sort of newcomer status by being like, oh, well, her family was really poor. And it was like a Frank Churchill situation where, like, she was gone for a really long time and then came back to the town. And that was so perfectly able to fit in with Nathan's desire to <laughs> yeah, like exactly. reconnect with his family. Yeah. I was like, that. I, I just kept getting my mind blown by all those like c- connections that just felt so natural. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think the the way that we I read in my silly semi okay British accent. Um, I read my like, where are you from again? British accent. Um, <laughs> all up and down the coast of England. Yeah. I think I read all the like the major desires for the characters. Mm. And then afterwards we had people say like, ooh, that one sounded good to me or mm. I wanted this mm. one. And then and then we did that and then we each made the connections for them after. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a fun session zero. The 80s are over, and you're not kids anymore. Now is a much darker time. Something happened to you, and you got touched by the weird, and it made you wild, and it made you powerful. This is the world of The Lost Bay, a suburban gothic RPG a fever dream set in 1990X and inspired in equal parts by dark fantasy, horror classics, and the 90s indie culture. After years of development, and thanks to the feedback and support of a community of early enthusiasts, The Lost Bay is coming to Kickstarter, featuring a full rulebook and complete setting designed by Eco, kick-ass art by Evangeline Gallagher, killer maps by Strega Wolf Vandenberg, and six additional modules by some of the coolest designers in the indie scene. So go to thelostbayrpg.com to be notified on launch. That's thelostbayrpg.com.
I think the other thing that was great about that was we all... I think this. I just really am loving Session Zeroes. The more games I play, yeah, the more I realize Session Zero is like so the best session sometimes. <laughs> and I think games that specifically design Session Zero, like this, we played Die recently that has an amazing Session Zero kind of mechanic in it. it man, it helps so much for, for Session One. Like, it's night and day. But uh, Katie, I know when, when we were building our characters, you very quickly latched onto the idea of uh, you were a playwright. Yes. And there, there was a moment where all of us were uh, playing around with the idea of like, oh, uh, Nelly's a bad playwright. But then you got to come in and like in this kind of pre-idea phase, be like, no, no, no. Nelly's a great playwright. Yeah. She's just and kind so, of like, an yeah. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's she like was, but the she joke. grew. She did grow. I knew exactly like who I wanted to be. I want it to be, like, very creative, like, very good at what I do, but then also just, like, so bad socially. <laughs> and I was, like, very determined. There, even in the game, and I, I don't remember which act, someone was like, oh, and, like, this other person's actually way yeah. better than um, yeah. than Nellie. And I was like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Nellie's good. Nellie's really was, good. I think that yeah. was me. Was that in the game or the session zero? No, it was no, in the game. Was in the- yeah, that I was think in the that room. Was me trying space. to downplay, and didn't I? I think I had like a semi breakdown where I was like, "No, Nelly's actually really good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was determined. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I'm yeah. just being a bitter ex." <laughs> yeah, I also love that Nelly's first line of like in character dialogue was, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> just a little jerk." Mm. <laughs> I love it. A jerk that found an actual like. A really interesting romantic situation. Like Nelly, <laughs> Nelly oh God, almost seemed like aromantic in yes, that way. Definitely. But like it, it's so it's funny because I know aromantic people in very long term relationships, mm-hmm. and it's very much like that where it's like this mutually beneficial relationship where they care about the person, but it's very much like not in this not a traditional relationship where it's like obsessive or whatever it's just like very much like support each other wholeheartedly and there is like affection there but it's not what you traditionally consider yeah. a relationship and that mm. was brilliantly clear and i <laughs> and i think yeah. that like that i got that out of uh you know georgina's ultimate engagement to nelly was that you know <laughs> nelly that when nelly came forward and was like I am going to be a bad partner to you. Like that came from a place of like, oh, actually I do care about you. So I just want to yes. give it to you 100 here. Um, and then ultimately, you know, <laughs> Georgina decided it was it would be, could be mutually beneficial. <laughs> and that's how well, we ended up with our successful Nelly, theater company. <laughs> you met Nelly where Nelly was and you were yeah. like, this actually can work for me yeah. in this context. That's and that honestly made Nelly be like, maybe I can be. Yeah, partner to this because my needs are understood. I I didn't you know? know where that monologue was going when I started, and it just I went <laughs> no, yeah, like this is gonna be fine. Georgina is gonna be a woman of the world. She and Nelly can go into business together. <laughs> yeah, it just like all worked out. Honestly, it's so so gay, so <laughs> so like not just like lesbian, but like so queer. Truly, Such a yeah. cool dynamic to put yeah. in. <laughs> There's a fun moment in that monologue where you can, like, as I was editing it and, like, putting the music yeah. under, you can hear you, like, figure it out yeah. and, like, all of a sudden switch. Yeah. It's like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, the music yeah. swells in a weird way. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that's a thing in good society. Like, sometimes when we're playing and people are like, oh, I don't know which way my character is going to go. And then we're like, how about you 
monologue it out. And there's something about that <laughs> reflective process of like putting your feelings out there that can help. Um, yeah. But I I think like mar- marrying as Georgina did to get your dowry, that's like Regency <laughs> yes, 3D to get her own right dowry. Yes. So yes. To get her own dowry, yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm full disclosure, when we decided in the session zero to not play historical gender norms, to so be like loosey goosey, kind of with history. Um, but and then disregard gender norms. I was like, oh, where's the drama gonna come from? Because so much of these stories are like just basically about women are repressed and have no rights, and that's honey, such- you can make drama happen anywhere where it's gay. <laughs> yeah, and then I was just literally the one of the notes I have written down for today is a gayer world is a better world. Yeah, like, it was so fun because everyone's just like free to create more drama because yeah. you could fuck anybody. Well, because you can fuck anybody. Exactly. And that, and that, and that I think was, was one of the things that again was, was so nice about playing fast and loose with the gender roles was that we basically created a world wherein still marrying for status is very, very important, but it doesn't have to be between a man and a woman. And there was nothing scandalous about the fact that two women had previously been engaged or that two women ultimately married each other in the end. Mm-hmm. But that that's three-way great, dance, that was thing. a scandal. But the dowry, <laughs> the three-way dance. That three-way dance was we a scandal. We still hit the thematics of the time era, too, yeah. like with the dowry and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, like, yeah, no, it's... This was a thing. <laughs> and we all got to lust after Christopher Hunter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher yeah. Hunter. <laughs> we ended up married to our characters. We did. Yeah. We did. yeah. And we were just like, oh, my God, our, we're our both horny for the stable hand. We're not going to treat them badly because of the power dynamic but like it's good to look <laughs> just make them wear short shorts yeah <laughs> like just progressively shorter shorts it's also but pay like, them just really well. it's funny because we had the sort of like my character started off as breaking up an engagement with a woman and then ended up with a man mm-hmm. and like that in its own is sort of like a progressive thing too mm-hmm. like th- th- ain't no uh this season will no buy here, you know? <laughs> it was it was funny to like have the dichotomy of like kind of our characters were like Brian and I's characters were the ones that ended up sort of like in the more traditional like Bridgerton style relationship, I think. Yes. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Very Bridgerton season two. Yeah. <laughs> Very Bridgerton season Very two. Very Bridgerton season two. <laughs> yeah. I also loved your character. I kept thinking of Imogene kind of as like uh, uh, Miss Darcy, like Darcy's sister, oh. as like the kind of like schemer. Yes. Oh. It, especially like when paired with uh, Georgina, who's kind of like, I don't know, uh, who is uh, Elizabeth's sister? Uh, oh, Lydia? Who's the, who's the, the silly who, one? No, who's the, who, no, no, no. Who's the eldest Bennett? Jane. Jane. It very much felt like Jane, like kind of coming in, just being nice. And then Mrs. Dar- Miss Darcy would come in and like you know cut her down in all these different ways. Yeah, I really, I really love the like backhanded compliments and kind of like getting out of it because you're naive and like nice. <laughs> I mean, I had to be the spicy character. We had we had so many tropes. Um, obviously, Emma um, was like the ingenue yeah. character. <laughs> we had the um, sadly Nathan isn't here, but we had the like failing alcoholic. <laughs> um, we have the ne'er do well prodigal yeah, son, <laughs> the upstanding military man, and mm-hmm. then we had the passionate asshole creative. 
And yeah, so it's the, like, art, the misunderstood artist. And I was like, okay, so like, you know what? And I, I play this character very well. <laughs> Snide really needs to remove the stick out of her ass kind of character that <laughs> ultimately need, does get the stick removed out of her ass. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say <laughs> is that like, it, it's what was great about Imogene was that it was, she was very aware, I think, of mm-hmm. the airs that she was putting on. And mm-hmm. she really was a good person, like underneath all the yeah. affectation. And ultimately, like we got to see that side of her, which was really nice. <laughs> I also think uh, the line that made me laugh more than anything, because I totally forgot about it when I was editing and I was sitting in a cafe in the West Village <laughs> while I was doing this. And it's um, Emma, you just sent a, a message to Imogene and you end it with like, you may be, I may be younger than you or whatever. <laughs> and there's a long pause. And then it's Persephone going, younger! <laughs> and I absolutely lost it. And Brisa was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> We did run this as a high school skin. Everyone was like mm-hmm. 17 in yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> we were like between 17 and 19. We were young and yeah. hot. Yes. Young and yeah. hot. Everyone was young and hot. <laughs> young, rich, and probably hot. Young, rich, and probably hot. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which is the best way to open a story. Like, this would have been such a good CW take on, like, Bridgerton. <laughs> totally. As soon as the writer's <laughs> strike is over, we'll pitch it. As soon as that's over. <laughs> Here's Three over. years from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't say it. Don't say it. I, I, let's talk a little bit more about like specifics from uh, the game that we played. Uh, does anyone have any like big highlight moments from either their character or from another character that you really want to call out as being like your favorite bits of the game? I just have a general for everyone. I think, and this relates to the system too, is just the character arcs that everyone was able to go on as a mm-hmm. one shot and like change. I mean, it took the ghost of Katie's <laughs> character's mother appearing to oh, like yeah. give her character <laughs> part, which I fucking love that move. That was that's, one of my favorite. That's moves. what I was gonna say for mine because I feel like I was like, oh shit, I have to, I have to have like a reason for why I'm suddenly <laughs> nice, and I just pulled yeah. that out of my ass. And then it ended up being, I think, good. Um, hopefully. Yeah, it's perfect. Very we love phantom a, thread. Very or, phantom or thread. Or we love a Scrooge visited by ghosts in the night yeah. situation. The classic trope. Can we talk about the whole play scene? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the sabotaging of the script and the back and forth about, oh, no, we need to get them the real script again because oh now God. we don't want to sabotage the play anymore. Yeah. And then Nathan's back and forth in, <sighs> the, in the backstage area when they were, like, trying to ascertain which version it was. Yes. That was so good. I cannot stress how fun that was. The second I had that idea, I looked at, like, Nathan through the screen. I was like, I know he's going to know where I'm going with this. Yes. <laughs> this, this we, we've been friends long enough. He's going to know what the play is. I, I just loved him. Are, are you sure? This one? Do you want to take a look at it? No, no, no. I'm good. We did definitely decide yeah. on, like, a rom-com, but we didn't want to go into farce. But it definitely got there. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that moment oh, yeah. happened, I was like, this is full Moliere. Like, we are comedy yeah. of errors. And I love it because those are my favorite kind of stories. I was like, this is so funny. Those little moments of tension and misunderstanding. That moment was genuinely tense. I like knew when I was listening to the podcast again, I was like, A, I know what happened. I know. B, none of this is real. <laughs> and I was so like, oh my God. What, uh. 
It was, yeah. I love that moment. I was panicking. I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? And there was yeah. a part of me that's like, I want to see all this ruin, but I'm like, ah, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was very impressed with how much like plot tension you managed to fit into four hours, like that you made this like relatively coherent narrative and on the whole, like had a very like Oscar Wilde, like get kind of, <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, so. yeah. yeah, importance totally. of being earnest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was very, for the difficult. longest time, I didn't know what that play was. And just for some reason I had it in my oh. head that the importance of being earnest was like a drama, no. like a dry drama. And then I watched it and I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know this was this. I didn't know the title was a pun. Yes. You know what I mean? I like, uh, it's great. If you haven't seen importance of being earnest, go watch it. It's great. I'm just realizing now that uh, that Georgina and Imogene had a very similar relationship to the two girls mm. in Importance of Being Earnest, mm. where they were they're like technically fighting over the same guy, but not really. And uh, it's great. It's a great play. I also love the character work that everyone did. Like everyone's voice acting was really <laughs> spot on. Just like Emma's, like oh, constant so ingenue. <laughs> I also like made the choice with Georgina that I just really wanted her to actually be like a gen, like she genuinely was a nice, kind person. Like she mm-hmm. did not have any ill will towards anybody. Like she genuinely wanted everybody to succeed, but still also wanted to get what she wanted. Which then, once I monologues turned into a real revelation about what she actually wanted. So <laughs> I, I, I just love this was so much fun, and I love playing with all of you. It's Emma yeah. specifically. It's so fun to watch you do character stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Not that anyone else, anything else, but it's like playing an ingenue is hard. Yes, like mm-hmm. it's very hard. Like it's it's not easy to make that feel genuine. And mm-hmm. Georgina felt very genuine and smart. Like, yeah, kind of at the like, same dumb. time. That's no, tricky. she had like, yeah. um, like a, like a more mature Elle Woods thing going on. Like, you know, like very Ooh, sweet. Oh, that's a good call. Seemingly, Perfect. But like sweet, kind of naive, but not really, but still yeah. very worldly and understanding. Like it was very much that. Yeah. And now I'm just thinking of everyone else's character. I'm like, I could say the same thing about everyone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Nelly. Nelly. Oh my God. The, the level of commitment that the Katie commitment, had. The just, deadpan timing, yes. which, Katie, you're, we, we all know that you're a master of deadpan delivery mm-hmm. and just comedy in general. Like, there's no one that does it better than you, but it was so good. So Thank good you. to see it in character. I'm going to gush about everyone. Um, like, okay. And then you Brian. get to watch me just slowly slip into a Southern accent. Yeah. Every, oh, every I liked it, honestly. I, I, you know, it was like, you were, like, I think, honestly, it's also hard to play, like, an upstanding military character without them being boring. And you just immediately from the beginning decided, like, this guy's going to be a little tortured because he really does want to pursue a creative thing. But, like, knows in his heart that duty must come first. It's a very, very Regency sort of thing to do and, like, just really well played. And then, Carolyn, you just killed every single NPC from my oh, character's rival yes. bitch character to oh my the guy had to roll around and wasn't getting the... What was it? What was he, a pie? Or he was an olive. An olive. An olive. In the Queen's Grantham? Grantham Gillian. What about all the... the the picnic item. Yeah. What was he had a whole like arc too, like in the background. He just had a very quiet arc onto himself. Yeah. What was the inspiration for the title of the Queen's Lunchbox? Oh my God. Oh, we got to talk about the play yeah, titles. 
Oh, I have no idea. It was the first <laughs> thing that came out of my mouth. There were so many Too good the, at the, things, Katie. The Queen's lunchbox, the like something's glass, the angel's the glass. The angel's foot, glass I think. foot. There was yeah. the, the timber swindler. The tim- that was my the timber that was swindler. actually um <laughs> that one I had written down. I was like, I had right after we had we had met to do like the collaborative um talk, mm-hmm. I had written that down. So I was like, that'll be funny. I'll use that later. <laughs> yeah. The timber swindler. <laughs> I want to make that into a sketch or something. <laughs> That's it's, good. That's a good title. This actually, this whole thing could have been a play. Oh yeah, play? definitely. Like if this could, you could turn this into a two act play. Very. Oh yes, and absolutely. It would be hilarious. A play this about putting a on a play. Very funny play. Yeah. This would yeah, be I such would a funny it. play. You know, it worked. It worked pretty well for Hamlet. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's worked for a lot of plays. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be pretty fun. Pretty funny, honestly. I yep, think this would make it. a good live show for sure, like on stage somewhere. Ooh, yeah, my um, first dungeon X Good Society live coming yes. to you. We're just announcing. <laughs> we're actually just following Taylor Swift's tour around the world. Amazing, we're 150 yeah, we're, shows. We're opening for Taylor. <laughs> oh my opening god, for Taylor Swift. A play before Taylor Swift. <laughs> if any, like what? I feel like if anybody would be open to it, though, like Taylor's the girl. Yeah, yeah Taylor or Beyonce, honestly. Beyonce's yeah. got oh Beyonce can do whatever she wants. <laughs> I love this. We'd all have to become much better dancers if we were gonna be doing uh, opening for Beyonce. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing that I'm actually right I don't know. I don't that know. I think is really fun about this because uh, you know, there there have been in LA and I'm sure New York as well, some like Regency improv kind of things. And I think honestly, you could just take this existing system and translate it to an improv sort of situation where you and actually are yeah, yeah where you actually actually like are up on your feet and you have a dance and and stuff like you just physically do your actions while still having things like you know the letter writing phase and and the like trading uh <laughs> influence tokens and and playing multiple characters like i think it would work great Haley, what did you think of our letters? How did we do? Oh my God. Grade our papers, teacher. No. no. <laughs> Grade our papers. Oh we, I think we had homework, right? That's totally me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I adored all of them. <laughs> um, I, I love, I love epistolary as a like as a phase of the game um, in general. I think I said that when we first talked, mm-hmm. Brian. Um, I was like, you know what? I like epistolary. And as a general concept, but no, y'all like knocked it out of the park. I think like one of the great things that epistolary does is as noted, I think um, already in, is set you mm-hmm. up for the next yeah. um, <laughs> novel chapter as well as like express some character stuff that you like don't necessarily have the context to express, you know, in the group environment of a um a dance mm-hmm. or whatever it is um and like i really love uh, obviously you mentioned you're all seasoned you know improvisers and performers that is story instinct you all have to like um express something about your character but also further the story and like move the story forward as well and that very much came through um in epistolary and you know the whole a game. plus for us gang yay <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that is all for this episode and indeed this season of My First Dungeon. But if you want to hear a little bit more of this conversation before we go, you can head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and join the dice pool. That is our $5 a month Patreon tier where you will find right now 
20 more minutes of this very conversation where we talk a whole bunch about all the long-term games we want to play with the Good Society system. In addition to that, you're getting bonus monthly actual plays each and every month. So come on over and check it out. A big thank you to this cast, Emma Fife, Katie Maravich, Persephone Valentine, and uh, Nathan Yaffe, to your facilitator for this season, Carolyn Page, and a big old thank you to Haley Gordon and everyone at Story Brewers for making this phenomenal game. Haley, uh, where can people find you and what are you guys up to? Yeah, you can find um, us at Story Brewers on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and you can find this game and the other many games we have um, on our website if you just Google Story Brewers Role Playing or Good Society RPG or even I think like Regency Drama RPG will find this game. Ooh, um, you got good SEO. <laughs> It's a very crowded Regency drama RPG market, um, but we're very lucky to have good SEO. Um, uh, and uh, we've been up to, we just released the digital version of um, our latest game, which is called Fight with Spirit. It's a sports drama RPG uh, for, you know, being teenagers growing up, uh, doing sports stories uh, and sports drama with your friends. The physical version is coming out later this year, so we're very excited to, to see that. <laughs> We won't even have to reskin this game for high school. We'll just play yes, that one. That was a volleyball team. <laughs> Let's be honest. We were always a volleyball team. <laughs> and Carolyn, you think you can help uh, take us out of here? As I have oft said, my dearest listeners, the wheel of the tawn is ever spinning, and we are powerless to stop its advance. Scandal and heartbreak are as predictable as clockwork. But that does not mean we must all fall prey to their machinations. In this world, fortune will always favor the bold, and my listeners are certain to count themselves amongst the dauntless. Happiness and wealth are yours for the taking. All you must do to claim them is to take your turn in the game of good society. Ta, for now. You like us. You really like us. At least, I assume that you do, as you've listened to every minute of this episode. And yet you haven't already left us a five-star review? Oh, well, what are you waiting for? Get over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave that review now. It's always wonderful to hear words from our adoring fans. Getting more ratings helps people find the show and love it as well. And we love to hear your nice words. So head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us that five-star review. Ta-ta!